This is the Become the Lion podcast. If you are aiming to become the top in your industry, not second, not above average, the top, then you have come to the right place. Become the Lion will provide you with weekly insights and motivation needed from our guests on how to escape the common herd that society lives in. If you're looking to change your life, then get ready. Welcome to Become the Lion. Hi, this is Trevor Nicholas from Become the Lion. Today on the show, we have Jules Schroeder. Jules is an entrepreneur, marketing consultant, writer, speaker, millennial expert, and musician. Jules, welcome to Become the Lion. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And Jules, for audience out there who might not know you, do you mind giving them a little bit of context on exactly how you got started as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so it's been quite a journey over the last nine years. I just celebrated my 28th birthday and felt totally old <laughs> for the first time in my life. Uh, but I started when I was 18, uh, started my first six-figure company and my first seven-figure company at 22. And it all began in an economics class. I was in college college at the University of Colorado in Boulder and a clipboard got passed around. It was like, want to make a bunch of money this summer? Write your name and email address here. And I did. And it turns out they were teaching college students how to run their own house painting business. And you would learn all the ins and outs of business via house painting. Paint at the time was not sexy, but <laughs> running a business was. And in the span of three months, I went door to door and convinced people to let me paint their house and booked over $150,000 worth of work and had a six-figure company in just a matter of a few months, and then had to learn how to produce it all, and <laughs> hiring painting crews and teams and all that stuff uh, was definitely a different endeavor. But more than anything, it was the first time in my life where I saw the external validation for this internal knowing that I had. And I think we can often relate to this, where we know we're capable for more. Whether you're in a job or you want to start a business, it's like this thing that nags you when you go to bed at night or when you wake up in the morning. And it was the first time in my life where I had the experience of that nagging feeling, actually seeing the external result to be like, yes, I know I'm meant to do entrepreneurship. Yes, I'm onto something. Yes, I'm successful at it. And up until that point, um, that hadn't been present. And so that definitely was the entrepreneurial bug that bit me and has started the evolution ever since. You started the six-figure company at 18. And I have to ask you, why did you continue on and go through college? <laughs> you know, it was a great question. Uh, my dad and I fought tooth and nail because when I was 19, I grew that company from 150000 to just under $500,000 in revenue while being a full-time student. And it was something where I looked at him and I'm like, what am I doing? You know, and he was like, Jules, you know, you can drop out of college and pursue this full time, but we're not going to support you. And I think that for me was enough of like a fear factor where I was like, all right, fine. And I think I had a 1.75 GPA that semester <laughs> and by the skin of my teeth did it. But uh, for me, you know, it was definitely something to check a box going through college. And I think when I graduated back in 2011, there wasn't this conversation going on in the way that it is now around university and kind of the evolution of university and learning. And so I imagine if it was like me 
right now graduating college versus starting a business and quitting, I don't think I would do it again. Um, but I think back then it was just the model and I was definitely confined by it and hadn't quite redesigned my, my full out at that point. <laughs> so what has it been like dealing with friends and family while you've been on your entrepreneurial path? Yeah, great question. So I was 22 and was just about to graduate college. And my first internet company was uh, Feather Hair Extension. So for everyone that's listening, the women particularly that remember girls wearing feathers in their hair, uh, it was a huge trend uh, that started in 2011. And I launched that out of Boulder. And we would get these feathers from the fly fishing shop, dye them uh, and sell them wholesale to salons. And it blew up all over the US, Canada, Europe, Australia, and turned into this huge company. And I remember looking at my dad, it was like, he came out from graduation from Connecticut. And he's like, so Jules, like, are you going to get a job? And I was like, no, I've started this online business. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm selling feathers from a fly fishing shop. <laughs> and he was like mortified. And, uh, you know, the company was really successful 90% profit margin. We did, you know, well over six figures, uh, in just our first few months, but beyond that, um, it wasn't until three months later where his boss had actually walked in, uh, and he worked uh, in Wall Street, New York City, head of this huge company, walked in with a feather in her hair. And it was in that moment where he got the world of who I was and what I was doing. But I think more than anything, you know, entrepreneurship seemed risky um, to my parents and to certain family members. And it wasn't the norm. And that's what I love about, you know, Become the Lion, my podcast and my show on conventional life. We're actively rewriting the narrative for people <laughs> to have the permission to be able to, you know, not be confined in the way that I encountered, for example, when I was coming out of college at 22 and 23. And it wasn't until that feather company and starting a seven figure online book best selling publishing company that my dad, I think at 25, maybe it was 26. <laughs> that he finally got that I was an entrepreneur and not going back. So that was a good like four years of a lot of companies and businesses before it finally resonated. And I think in a lot of ways, it's what's given me so much inspiration to shortcut that for other people and, you know, people that I'm sure are tuning in right now as we're listening. You had friends and family, not so much not believing in you, but more looking out into your best interest and not seeing, wanting to see you get hurt. And you also know that entrepreneurship is risky in and of itself. Why did you push through? What made you continue on? Yeah, I think um, for my dad, at least initially, he was definitely like, if anything fails, like you're on your own. He was very <laughs> vocal around <laughs> his stance, which was like, if you're not getting a job and you're wasting this degree, then blah, blah, blah. And now I really, you know, I love him for representing that poll. And I think in our lives, we have people like all of our lives are polarity. So we have people that represent extreme perspectives, which I think is all healthy and useful, definitely annoying and challenging in the moment sometimes. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think for myself, uh, I've always had this inner knowing and it's just been this nagging thing that there's more inside of me. And it hasn't been until maybe the last few years I had, you know, basically a business partner and mental embezzle a bunch of money, went into around $200,000 worth of debt overnight, like dealt with lawyers and IRS and losing everything I thought was important to me at the time. It wasn't until having some of these extreme like breakdown moments did I actually get to confront what this knowing was. And even though I was a successful entrepreneur from say 18 to 25, 
I always felt like I could never enjoy the success and I was still living someone else's version of success. And someone would acknowledge me or I would hit a milestone and I was always onto the next thing. And it wasn't until after I lost what I thought was important to me through the embezzlement, having health challenges and other things that I started to ask myself, who am I? What do I really care about? And what does living in my highest alignment actually look like? And I think for those that are listening more so than anything, it's easy to start a business. It also can turn and not easy like anyone can do it necessarily like you won't have challenges, but it's available if you're willing to get after it. But it takes something else to start something that's actually in alignment with yourself and your gifts. And I think the advantage of podcasts like this and you know conversations like this is you can listen to people like myself give you some of these shortcuts so that when you get started, you can start right away from that aligned place. That took me like six years, maybe even seven years to finally get that. I could still be successful and still make money while being in alignment rather than doing something just because it would make money. So I think that's the first piece. Um, and then the second piece is that drive has always been in there for me. And I think I always thought that it was something I had to find out there, like, oh, I'm going to find my passion or I'll follow this thing or I'll find my next business idea. But what I realized in the last several years of my life is what you need to know and your next step to take is actually already with you, even in this very moment. And the name of the game is not actually finding or doing more. It's actually doing less, pausing and creating more space. And so now how I operate in a lot of ways is having space around myself to actually hear when my next steps are being given to me and following and choosing from that place um, rather than this like prove, seek model, uh, you know, the find your passion model. What we need is already inside of us. We just have to clear out the clutter to actually be able to hear it. So it's been quite an evolution <laughs> ever since, to say the least. Let's say someone in our audience is listening right now and there's someone like yourself, or they're going through college, and then they're in the majority of society, they're told to go from college to go get a job, and then what else do they have? You know, car, house, everything. But that's, you generally, that's someone else's, else's definition of success. And I noticed how you mentioned becoming in alignment with yourself and really figuring out who I am. How did you do that? How did you, how are you able to cultivate that in your life? Yeah, I think this question is such gold in so many ways because it's like, you know, I was at my event. I just got back from Italy and we had 50 some entrepreneurs in a castle and we host these international business accelerators. And someone asked me, they're like, where do you focus your time? You know, you've got all these businesses, you've got all these things that are going on. And for me, my biggest focus is what I call in keeping my channel or my ability to hear myself clear. So my like highest priority of where I spend my time is actually being able to hear myself so that I'm in touch with what I call source, divine, however you want to relate to it, the ultimate knowing, allowing that to come through me and guide me. And I found that since I've been able to unlock this, um, it's built and created massive impact for me. And it started in August of 2015. So there I was, I had just had the business partner in Bezel at the start of that year, drained my savings, was in and out of the hospital for health stuff, ended the relationship with my partner, and in a lot of ways had hit rock bottom. And noticed that what I was doing to fix it was work more hours, start another company, try to make more money. It's like the natural, something's not working, let's seek and do. 
So instead of that, I ran an experiment and I created this game, which was a 60 day game. And I said, for the next 60 days, I'm going to be a no to everything in my life. And for those that are listening, like you can try this on in your life right now. It doesn't have to be 60 days. You can even do it for 24 hours or even a week. And I enrolled everyone around me and I was like, hey guys, just to let you know, the response times that you might get from emails or just asking me for invitations, like, do you want to come out to dinner? I'm going to be slower on responding because my whole goal is to only listen for the hell yeses or what I call it. It's either a fuck yes or it's a no. And what I mean by that is I had been in a position where people would talk about alignment, intuition, hearing yourself, and I had no access to that. My mind was so loud. <laughs> like someone would be saying something and I was like chattering a million miles an hour, figuring out like what they were saying, already anticipating my response. Like it was a loud mind. And you guys, some of you, if you pause for a moment right now, you might be hearing thoughts about what I'm saying right now. And so my goal was to create a 60 day window to just say no to everything. And the only skill I wanted to accomplish was the ability to hear myself for what was truly a hell yes. And if it wasn't a hell yes, it was going to be a no. And so we often get these invitations all the time. Hey, can you come, you know, help me out at this thing on Saturday? Or, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? Or your, you know, parents or your family ask you to come do something. And there you say yes out of obligation or it's kind of like, uh, uh, well, I guess I could go. And when you do those things, they tend to be pretty maybe kinds of experiences. And so I, you know, explored that if I only said yes to the things that truly were embodied yeses, which, you know, instantly when someone asks you to do something and it's a hell yes, you don't have to think about it. You're just like, hell yeah, I'm into it. So if I only said yes to those things and everything else was a no or a not right now, what might my life look like? And it took me 45 of the 60 days to actually be able to do that. And by day 45, I started hearing the hell yeses and acting in accordance to them. And what I found as a result was with every you know, no I gave, it gave room for an even bigger yes. In a lot of ways, it started exercising this muscle for me where I naturally was saying no to the things that were not in alignment. So more things that were in alignment started revealing themselves. And so I found that I was having to work a lot less hard. So instead of taking like one step forward and getting, you know, one step out, I could take one step forward and get 10 steps out. And the more that I've worked this skill, it's a hell yes or a no. And I still live my life by it the last few years ever since I can now take one step forward and get a hundred steps out. Because I've worked that muscle so much that the things I'm saying yes to are ultimately going to bring me the most impact or money or opportunity, et cetera. So the hell yes or no game, highly recommend that. Um, and the last piece inside of that, it's noticing where you feel expanded, where do things feel light and open and fun, and where do things feel contracted? Like, is it you have a conversation and you leave and you're like, oh, I feel kind of drained from that. It's noticing those places of expansion and contraction as data points in leaning into those that expand you and removing those that contract you. I love that, how you mentioned hearing yourself clear. And you mentioned that game, you know, the yes or no game. And then you also, you know, I wanted to ask you, do you recommend like something like, you know, solitude or meditation to also allow someone to hear themselves clear? Yeah, so I'm actually writing a book about this right now because <laughs> I literally, I had my event and uh, one thing I do is I, you know, call it channeling, whether it's channeling a talk, whether it's spoken word, whether it is, you know, music, um, I'm always like making things up, allowing things to flow through me on the fly. And so I find that clearing the channel 
in a lot of ways, like if I could boil it down to five core things, I would say the first thing absolutely is self-care. And what I mean by that, it's making sure you have at least an hour in your day to hear yourself. And so for me, like I wake up in the morning, I make some chai, I read my book and I go to CrossFit. Um, and sometimes that shifts, but it's giving yourself an hour, whether that is, you know, dancing in your living room to music, or maybe you're just going on a walk at the end of your day, or maybe it's reading a book, having that intentional space, I feel like is vitally important. The second piece I found has a lot to do with diet. And so I used to be a sponsored snowboarder for a while. I've had a history of concussions and out of needing to heal myself, I got really interested in diet. And what I found is by cutting out gluten and dairy, um, hands down gave me so much more energy and clarity. And so for those hearing this that have never experimented with like cutting out gluten and dairy and limiting alcohol, game changer. And just do it as an experiment, even if you were to do it for like a week or even three weeks, just to notice how you're feeling opens the channel up dramatically. And then the last piece with that, um, I've done a lot of work around what I call circling and authentic relating, which for those hearing it that have never heard of those two terms, just Google it, um, check it out. Or, you know, I'm sure there'll be notes about my stuff after, but Unconventional Life Show or Jules Schroeder, I've got a ton of awesome free resources on that. So those are, yeah, definitely big pieces to keeping that open and being able to hear yourself. You, you have a company called Create You and do you mind talking a little bit about it for our audience and why you decided to start it? Yeah, totally. So Create You was born out of this wakeboarding accident that I had, which was in July of 2015. Um, basically hit the water. Uh, long story short, like had a near-death experience, uh, left my body, had this white figure, six black shadow council member come towards me. And we had this conversation and it was like, Jules, you have more work to do in the world do you want to do it? And I said, yes, as long as I'm not coming back to the vegetable. And they thought I might've been like paralyzed and neck broken. And I just remember getting zapped back into my body and feeling this energy forge my neck back together and shoot down my spine. And when I returned, like everything altered and it was the most in touch with this like light, uh, divine energy is what I call it that I've ever felt. And if I've had any questions of what happens next, <laughs> I definitely got a direct experience of it, but more so than anything, I always think back to those words. You have more work to do in the world. Do you want to do it? And since then it was literally like three weeks later, I got a call, um, from someone that was like, Hey, can you come tomorrow to come coach us? Our whole team's flying in. Can you do some marketing consulting? And I was like, well, I'm kind of in a neck brace right now and it's not really the best time, but for some reason it was a full body. It was a hell yes. So I said, yes, long story short, short turns out she's working for the UN on this 17 global goals campaign and was looking for 17 ambassadors. And what just came to me was to say, tell her you're in education, you've got this thing called Create You. At the time, Create You was nothing more than an idea, an initiative. And literally at the end of our conversation, she's like, hey, can you be at the UN to present about this in three weeks? <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. And in three weeks, I got together a website, business plan, and all this other stuff. And Create You essentially was this initiative that I created to reimagine higher education and recognizing that, you know, there's a million and one ways to make money in the world. And no longer do you have to follow the traditional go to high school, get good grades, go to college, get one of 13 career paths. The ways to make money are infinite. And so Create You was born as a way to kind of satisfy uh, that 
piece and to give people the opportunity to reimagine their own education. So that started for a while. And then uh, shortly after that, um, I got contacted by Forbes and they had asked me if I wanted to start writing for them. And I told them about my podcast idea for Unconventional Life, which was all about telling the stories of those that I would be serving through Create You that are following non-traditional paths. And then it became, you know, um, podcast on the Forbes Under 30 channel. And so it's been quite an evolution since then, which was literally, you know, start of 2016. And Create You in a lot of ways has actually morphed into Unconventional Life. And Unconventional Life was this accidental little passion project that started as a podcast. And then we've hosted these international business accelerators and it turned into a six-figure company somehow. (laughs) And then literally it was like, okay, we've kind of got this company. Uh, We should maybe consider actually building it. And um, so that's been the new focus. So Create You has morphed into Unconventional Life and we're out to grow that into seven figures before the end of the year. So it's been quite an exciting evolution going along with the unconventional life and our audience is typically entrepreneurs and they're starting a business but i just want to know what are some different ways that people can make an unconventional living yeah i love that um so one of the things that i live my life by is what i call this process of rapid visioning And what I mean by that is often we think about the step 10 goal. So we think about the business we want to start or we think about the initiative we want to do or the podcast we want to run. And by the time we're envisioning it, there's like 10 steps that would have to happen from our idea of the thing we want to have happen to like the first step we would need to take today. And often I find that creates a lot of overwhelm and noise. And so if you're listening to this and you feel like you've been listening to so many podcasts and you've been doing all the business research and all the books and you're still not where you want to get, um, I was there too. And I call it like spinning your wheels. And so rapid visioning in a lot of ways for myself, I find is kind of like the shortcut. And you basically, instead of, you know, creating from step 10 backwards, you kind of take the step, which is like the minimum movement, maximum impact step, and then iterate from there, there, and there. Case in point, uh, it was a few months ago and I had just gotten out of a relationship and was sitting home at night one night and I was like really missing my girlfriends. And I wrote this Facebook post and I was like, who wants to take like a bucket list adventure with like really epic women? Comment below if you're interested. And I literally thought to myself, I was like, well, if no one's interested, I'll delete this post in an hour. In about an hour's worth of time, it had over 150 comments. People were tagging people all over the place. And it was like one of the most viral Facebook posts I've ever done. So from that point, I looked at, okay, what's a logical next step was to put all these people in a Facebook group. So I put them on a Facebook group. And then I decided, well, you know, I want to do a live event for these people because they've all said interested. So I sent out an application and was like, hey, it's two grand. 40 people wrote back saying yes to a two grand event. So literally in the span of 48 hours, I had a, you know, 40 people at two grand. I had, you know, a five figure revenue opportunity waiting for me just to take action on, which all came out of, you know, two minute Facebook post. And so it would have been a completely different process to be like, I want to do live events for women. Okay. What does that look like? Who do I need to talk to? Spending hours copywriting, spending hours figuring this thing out who's done live events before, all this research, when in reality, you could actually just throw an easier dart, which is like, does anyone actually care about this? Is there interest or demand for the thing that I'm interested in, which was so easy as doing a Facebook post? And then it's like, okay, well, there is interest. What's the logical next step? Oh, put them in a group. Well, what's the next step? Do an application. What's the next step? Collect money. 
So it's looking at it moment by moment by moment and letting that guide you versus the other way around. And so to map that into people that are hearing this that want to do their own unconventional life income or follow their own unconventional path is that that is available to you all the time and it can look so many different ways. And I think it comes down to having this like unconventional mindset, if you will, which I view it very much like playing games. It's kind of like you're a mad scientist, like you're always rapidly experimenting or prototyping. And if you think about what is one thing in your life right now, this could be an idea for a passion project. Maybe it's a business that you're already running. What's one thing that you've been curious about? It could be like an online course you might want to start, or it could just be like a, you feel alone in which there are other people that felt the same way you did. What's one step you could take to see if there's proof of concept? Is it studio you could cold call? Is it a post you could put on Facebook or LinkedIn? Is it a friend that you could talk to? And then from that data, allow that to give you your next step and your next step and your next step. And when I find, you know, when I interview all these people on our show, we've done almost 100 interviews, they say a very similar process that they never expected to get where they were from the moment they thought they were when they started. And that comes down to just being present moment by moment by moment. So I think if you adapt that rapid visioning mindset, uh, it'll lead you in a lot of different paths. But I mean, I've seen people from, you know, starting companies around museum tours and reinventing museum tours to watching people fight war crimes in Syria to watching people that have fun selling little fidgets to Google and getting company branding on the whole fidget trend. So, I mean, it's been uh, all across the board for sure. I like how you mentioned that sometimes people can just look too far in the future. And I just like how you gave the example of you just created this Facebook post, but I think if you went in with the idea of, oh, I'm going to create this Facebook post and then within 48 hours, I'm going to make essentially almost a hundred thousand dollars, 80 grand. Then I, I like how you just met, how you just put the steps in. They seem so simple. I just think too many people just look at the end goal and just miss everything in the middle. Yeah, exactly. And it's in the middle that it gets so juicy and so fun. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. I've definitely been an extreme sports person for a while. But beyond that, it's more just like enjoying the process and the lightness of the game. And I think we tend to take ourselves so seriously. You know, we make things so heavy and significant and I really cared about a lot of stuff before, but when you remove the significance and you stay present to the process, that's when the true gold comes. And ultimately, that's when there's more space for the actual alignment to reveal itself as well. So you stay more in a continual flux of flow rather than moving against the current. I wanted to ask you, how do you, how have you dealt with failure as an entrepreneur? Yeah, um, failure is uh, <laughs> a pretty common word in my my scope. You know, I had mentioned earlier about the business partner embezzling a bunch of money, but more so than ever, I view failure kind of like prototyping. And what I mean by that is what I've learned is, you know, I view failure now as this concept of like anytime I'm putting something out there, I'm basically iterating and I'm prototyping. And sometimes my prototypes are going to be, you know, awesome. And sometimes they're going to be missing pieces and require some more research. And one of the things that I've believed is kind of like this concept of polarity to the degree in which you can have an extreme success on one end of the pole is the degree in which you'll have that equal and opposite failure on the other end of the pole. And so it's kind of like if you're just a little bit successful, chances are there's been just a little bit failure. And then it's like the more successful you get, the more capacity for failure you have. 
and it keeps like moving in this equal and opposite ratio. And when I map that into my own life, it's kind of like the amount of success they've been able to hold. I've also had to be willing to hold just that much failure on the other side. And failure is not only our greatest teacher, it's, it's a direct indicator of like, if you're failing really hard, it's literally like you're being carved out for an even bigger capacity for success. So when I fall like flat on my face and it has happened time and time again, you know, and people like they'll look at me now and you might even hear this and you're like, Oh, she's 27 or 28 and she's so successful and look at all the stuff she's doing. But it's like, you've missed the day in and day out of the last nine years of my entrepreneurial journey. Like it hasn't been awesome the whole time and it's been messy and that's, you know, I wouldn't change any of that. And I think in a lot of ways it's made me have the availability to hold the success name I'm able to hold now is my ability to sit with the failure and actually stay with it. So if you're failing in your life or you feel like you're failing, consider you're actually rapid prototyping and it's just another piece that's revealing itself to your bigger puzzle. And if you're feeling really failing really hard and it sucks because I've like totally been there, know that you're being worked on and those being those moments of being worked on are really carving you out the space to be able to hold more light later. And in a lot of ways, you have to clear out like the clutter or the junk or the dark in order to hold more of the life and more of the light. And so, um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful process. I really lean into failure. And I think if that's an alive theme for any of you that are hearing this and you want to learn more, um, come check out the podcast. There's a really great episode I did with uh, this woman, Lindy Norris, on that. So, yeah, super good stuff. It's an excellent point where you brought up to fail big. And as a, people in our audience who are younger, they might see failure as being a bad thing. And it seems like someone like yourself, they want to fail or you want to fail as much as you can because that's just going to lead you to your end goal. Totally. And in a lot of ways, like you can't not fail. (laughs) So it's kind of like you can resist failure or, you know, believe it won't happen to you, but it will. And I kind of like to be, I love data and I love having a lot of information and I'd rather just perceive it as like, you know, I know this is going to happen. If you're listening to this and think you won't ever fail, like it's just crazy. You're just going to fail. Like it's a given. It's going to (laughs) happen. I've talked to so many people like you will fail at some point. And so knowing that when it does happen, actually embracing that and knowing that it's part of the process and actually a really great indicator that you're playing even bigger um, is just welcoming that. And especially if you're a really young person, I think, you know, as a young person that also has success, being really humble and having a lot of humility has been just such an edge for me. Um, and in a lot of ways in ninja skills that it's really easy to compare yourself or have compassion for yourself or expect too much from yourself We talk about imposter syndrome, like feeling like you're a fraud or you don't belong. We all deal with this kind of stuff. Like we all feel that way at different points and it's completely normal. And having the humility to be able to acknowledge it and the compassion to like create space for yourself when it's happening and give yourself self-care is vital. It's been vital in my own development. And if that's alive for you right now, I guarantee it'll be vital in yours too. I was just thinking of a quote by Jim Carrey I might butcher a little bit, but I know it goes something along the lines of you can fail at something you you don't want, so you might as well fail at something you love. And I think you're expressing that for our audience really well. Yeah. <laughs> I love that quote. <laughs> Thanks. And Jules, I just wanted to say this interview has been excellent so far. And now we're going to enter the lines round. I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick questions before we end the show today. 
Awesome. Let's do it. Let's get fierce. <laughs> what would you say to someone who's just starting out and going after their dream? I would say that you have everything you need inside of you. Go ahead and close your eyes, drop into your body, breathe. Breath is our biggest access point to holding more space. And just trust that it's already in you right now. There's nowhere to go, nothing more to get. All you have to do is listen. Do you happen to have two or three books that you'd recommend for our audience to read? Yes. Book number one, Choose Yourself by James Altucher really maps the pavement or the paves the way in a lot of ways for this whole unconventional life concept. Really great getting started book. Second book would be Whatever Arises, Love That by Matt Kahn. It talks about practicing radical acceptance in every moment and ultimately the understanding and the knowing that it's always, the world is always conspiring for you in your favor in every single moment. So both those. And Jules, last question of the day, where can our audience find you? So you guys can head over to unconventionallifeshow.com. There's all kinds of stuff in there, like um, this influencer document. If you want to learn how to create impact, influence, and income in any niche or industry in 60 days with no experience, put together like all of my best practices in a free guide. So you can get that on the website. You can also check out on iTunes, the Unconventional Life podcast. We do two episodes a week. And you can go to julesschroeder.com, S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R. Especially if you're into music, spoken word, and all kinds of other stuff, I'm in the process of writing another album called Love It Forward, which is all about embodying love's vibration into life, business, and everything in between. So yeah, more updates on that will be available shortly as well. And Jules, I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with our audience. So good to be here. Thanks, guys. It was awesome tuning in with you. Thanks for listening to Become the Lion. Everything from today's show will be in our show notes on our website. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. Till next week, don't stop grinding.